Welcome to Between Lewis and Lovecraft. I'm Hannah. And I'm Tyler. We're here to learn more about the lives of authors that have inspired us, a journey into the stories they not only created, but also lived. So join us as we dive deep into the worlds that live just out of reach. This is. I don't know why I have to do this. You're playing a piano that's mounted on the wall. Yeah, like the guy from Journey in the uh, Worlds Apart music video. You know, we made it 30 seconds into the show, and Tyler's already comparing himself to the guy from Journey. The piano player from Journey, specifically. One of the yes, greatest. Yes, the of pianist. All time. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, You're pretty uh, impressive. I need to just get my, my juice box. Ready. Oh my gosh. Why is it always ASMR to start the show? <laughs> Don't make me laugh when I'm drinking my juice box. That would be Hannah? great. Like hearing you like shoot uh, apple juice out your nose. I think that would really add to the listener experience. All right, Man, I'm it's ready. like the water bottle incident from last episode all over again. Yep. I feel like I'm just going to destroy a new vessel of liquid every episode. <laughs> vessel of liquid. That makes it sound really cool. That sounds like a band. Hannah, we should start a band and be called the Vessel, vessel, vessel of, of Liquid. liquid. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. I feel like a Vessel of Blood or something would be more hardcore. You got to specify the liquid. Oh, right. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to go really gross, so... Oh, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I'm sure you'll find other opportunities as we uh, progress through this episode. I always find opportunities to be gross, Hannah. Even mm. when I don't think you possibly could, you do. Mm -hmm. Welcome to Between Lewis and Lovecraft, Ghoul Gang. And it's official. Hannah has accepted the Ghoul Gang... Uh, as a thing. I don't know if just because I said it means I accept it. Uh, it's legal binding. Legally binding. Legally binding? R oh, verbal shit. contract. And yeah. also, we have a shirt now for sale that you can get that is a Ghoul Gang t-shirt. So, if you want to show your support and overwhelming um, <laughs> devotion approval, approval of Ghoul Gang, despite Hannah's anti-Ghoul Gang um, propaganda. Prop? Oh my <laughs> god. So aggressive. Then uh, you can head over to our merch store where we have four designs for sale. Even though I object to the term Ghoul Gang, the design for that shirt is very cool. It is very ghoul. It's very cool. Oh, my gosh. You're such a dad. <laughs> Look, I'm a dad now, Hannah. <laughs> you won't miss an opportunity for a good pun. I know. No. no, it's great. Yeah, we've got the Ghoul Gang design. We have our classic logo design. Um, the uh, Lil Lovecraft one. Lil Lovecraft, yeah. Where's my, my grandpa? My favorite. Have you seen my Grandpa Whipple? Uh, and then we have the um, shirt that was really... You know, I felt it, but it was really inspired by Devani, um, who also read Dune. And 
has had an existential crisis with her writing career. So we've started a small uh, Frank Herbert existential crisis writing club. And um, that sounds really neurotic. Yeah. And mentally unhealthy. It's not great. But we do <laughs> we do have a cool T-shirt. It says uh, I read Dune and all I got was this stupid existential crisis. Um, and the merch store link is on your website, right? I actually <laughs> got it on our website as well. Oh, yeah. So okay. if you go to our website, you can uh, you can see that there's a little tab that says merch and an exclamation mark there's <laughs> and then it takes you to this the store that i've set up and you can actually what's great about the the site that i use is you can actually put the design on any like color and style of t-shirt you want oh nice yeah the internet is great it's pretty cool honestly it took this long because i wanted to have more control over our merchandise I wanted to be Yeah, the guy I know you were it. really picky about like which site you wanted to have handle it because some of them are cheap, but it shows in the quality, and other ones are super fucking expensive. And, yeah, and yeah. yeah, and to be honest, if if you buy a shirt, I don't know what it's gonna be like. I don't know what the print is gonna be like or the shirt. Uh, I just ha- kind of had to say, all right, either I'm either we're never going to have a merch store because I want to have control or we're going to have a merch store and I just have to give up that control. So, right. Uh, so I decided to do that, uploaded a few designs. There's even a design, um, in my, like we have collections and one of the collections is between Lewis and Lovecraft. And then another collection I've started is the penny lich. So if you want to, um, buy a, a penny lich logo, uh, shirt, you can do that as well. Nice, so. nice, nice. We we should be holding up the Penny Lich book oh, for right. this part. Oh, I put mine. I put you mine put up yours away. Oh, well, that's a right good there. spot. It's visible yeah. behind you, <laughs> right next to Daredevil. Bef- before we talk about the Penny Lich, though, since you brought up Devani, can I give her a quick shout out for something else as well? Hell yeah! But real quick, real super quick, uh, just so everyone's aware, this is a super chill episode. Um, we've started doing this because we need more time to read our bios so we can be more proficient and intelligent so um so if you're like and intelligent are you if you're ready to dive into sanderson part two or something like be aware that this is way more chill than our deep dives yeah they are the things that we do so that you can hear our lovely voices more than once a month (laughs) hell yeah (laughs) because if you had to wait for us to read you know two books you'd be waiting a long time yes (laughs) <laughs> you had you had some uh listeners to gush over yes um yeah i, I wanted to thank Devani for recommending a book that did not take me a month to read um she she aptly predicted that i would be needing something to detox from the massive wheel of time book that i read mm. followed by mistborn by brandon sanderson um so she recommended a light-hearted young adult fiction novel called anatomy a love story by dana schwartz i got this thing from the library on thursday afternoon and i'd finished it by friday afternoon so Damn. It definitely satisfied the requirement. Uh, Devani understood the assignment, which was give Hannah something that she can read quickly and that requires almost no brain power, and it's moderately entertaining. Um, so yeah, it was it was a pretty good book. Um, Neil Gaiman actually wrote the uh, 
the little blurb on the cover. So what? they got Damon for that. Yeah, it is a talked about book, apparently. Um, but it's basically about a, I think, 17 or 18 year old girl in 1800s Edinburgh, Scotland. Don't make me do an accent, Tyler. You have to do the <laughs> accent. I will not be doing a Scottish accent. Um, but this the main character, she wants to become a doctor. Um, and at that time, women were not allowed to become doctors. So she contrives this whole plan to like dress up as her dead brother and go to um, anatomy classes where they basically like dissect animals and then humans. Um and she she gets found out and then has to teach herself basically how to dissect people and it has all these subplots like um there may be a pandemic returning to scotland that everyone's really freaked out about there's grave robbers or like body snatchers who dig up bodies from cemeteries and sell them on the black market to doctors and other people resurrection men resurrection that's exactly the term why do you know that Uh, I watch a lot of weird shit, Hannah. Come on. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, they call them resurrection men in the novel. And then there's, like, another side plot of, like, poor people going missing mysteriously and then turning up without, like, certain body parts. So my one critique of the book would be that... Actually, I have two. (laughs) One is that there's a lot going on for a relatively short novel. It's probably Mm. only, like, 300-some pages, and it's, like... There's a lot of a plot of plot going on there, which keeps the pace up, but it also made the ending feel a little sudden. Yeah. Um, and there's also like a weird fantasy-ish twist at the end that I wasn't a fan of. I was like, I kind of wanted this to stay firmly grounded in reality. Vampires. Yes. Pretty close. <laughs> I knew. But overall, I give it three out of five stars. And uh, thank you, Devani, for giving me something to kind of numb my brain with. Hey, speaking of three out of five stars, uh, Penny Lich has zero reviews so far. <gasps> Blasphemy. I know. I have only finished the first story so far. Yeah? So I can't go review it yet. Well, you can. You can review it based on each story <laughs> if you want. Oh, can you review each story separately? Ah, uh, no. I have no No, idea. you can just review the book. Yeah. You can do like updates or something, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, go in and tweak it once I finish the rest of them. Yeah. But what if the rest of them suck and then I have to go and be like, mm, I gave you, Tyler five you stars. In, you put in and, each one like, hey, I gave it five stars because <laughs> the first story was great, but the second two were shit. Revise two, three out of five. Yeah. Which would still be as good as I gave this Neil Gaiman recommended book. So Hey, that'd be great for me. <laughs> Honestly, any review at this point. I no, yeah, people need to go think, review it. I don't think there's any reviews at all. Hold on, I'm going to go check again real quick. To make sure you're not uh, discounting <laughs> someone. The Penny Lich. Is Amazon the only place you can review it, or can you review it other places too? I have no idea. I've never seen a review or anything anywhere else. Customer reviews, one rating, but it's like a. it says global rating. So what is a global rating? There are zero customer reviews and one customer rating. I don't know what that means. Oh, maybe they just like gave it stars but didn't want to write anything. Yeah, I guess. But I do that sometimes. That doesn't I don't think I've ever written a review. So yours might be my my first review. I need you guys to talk about my book. And by you, you guys, guys. Oh, I mean, I'm like, like literally I am just one person, Tyler. <laughs> 
Uh, customer reviews. There's zero customer reviews at all on Barnes and Noble. So that sucks. You know what else you can do if you're listening to my to this show and you want to help me out with my book? You can go to a local bookstore and uh, tell them to order it. And they can do that. They can or do that. Libraries. I ordered mine online from the uh, Book Nook because yeah. I hate Amazon. Uh, libraries. You can tell libraries what books you they should have in stock for people. And, you know, especially with indie books, they're not going to know what books to get. So if you want to really help me out, go to your local library and say, hey, you know what would be a really good book on your guys' shelf? Penny Litch. Fantasy sitcom. By T.W. Clausen. And that's like a really uh, good way to support you because it costs the person asking the library yeah. nothing zero dollars <laughs> um so yeah you heard it here guys go review tyler's book abe books i don't even know what that is what's abe books Ooh, i'm on ebay you can get my book for almost twice as much money as it is on amazon but on, on ebay, eBay? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense who's like jacking up the price there Probably some guy in like Bangladesh or something who has no idea how <laughs> stupid my book is. He just like chose <laughs> random self-published books on Amazon and he's like, oh, I'm going to make so much money like this is flipping great. these. I'm going to make so much money. I'm trying really hard not to do a Bangladesh accent. And the reason why, I don't know how to do a Bangladesh accent. I would uh, argue that you don't know how to do some of the other accents that we've done on this show. Oh, but. yeah. You could say that, but you'd be wrong. Um, <laughs> if you go to a website called Book Depository and you go down to pro product details and you look at the ISBN 10, which I'm guessing is for the ebook version of this, you can actually call that as a phone number. What? <laughs> on Google Voice. No, it, it probably icon. doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, so lots of ways that. to support <laughs> calling <laughs> random ISBN phone numbers. So just putting you on the spot here, Hannah, what did you think of the first story in The Penny Lich? I've liked it so far. And actually, when I was reading it, I realized... Um, that it was similar to the version I read like a year ago. I, I recognized some of the plot points and then I I saw where you'd made other changes and like mm. developed characters more and stuff like that. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Cool. I definitely feel like I would have I would appreciate it more if I because it's kind of like almost D&D-esque meets sitcom. Yeah. And since I'm not like a D&D &D person, I feel like some of the references and stuff kind of went over my head. Sure. So I'm possibly not the target audience because I was just like, I feel like there was something said here and I don't completely understand it, but I'm going to keep rolling on because like you know, there's enough. I don't. Well, just some of the, like the naming conventions, too. They're very oh, okay. obviously fantasy and there's a lot of creature stuff that I'm like. Because you have, like, the wood elf or something. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, okay, that sounds... Like, I'm at the fantasy level where I can handle elves. Right. And then you add then any you have, other word, yeah. and I'm like, I'm not sure what this is. Wait, there's different types of elves? It's like, <sighs> uh, yeah, Hannah, there's different types of elves. <laughs> and if, if I need to explain it, I'll just channel the voice of Ella 
uh, and let her explain it all. <laughs> well, I do appreciate um, that so far, I don't think any of the names have been at a um, Robert Jordan level <laughs> unpronounceability. I have, uh, I took some criticism from my grandmother on that one. Really? Uh, yeah. When I wrote, when I wrote my big novel uh, back in the day, um, and she read through it, and she's like, "Yeah, I didn't like any of the names. They're all bad." <laughs> well, and tell your like, grandma, thank you for me. <laughs> and and yeah, there's, I mean, there's room in fantasy for a lot of you know standard names. Um, you don't always have to go with crazy stuff. I just kind of went with names that seem to fit the characters. Well, yeah, and you have some that are like kind of standard names, but a slightly different spelling, like Cecilia. Yeah, I'm Cecilia assuming that's and, how and, it's supposed to be pronounced. I was like, okay, I, I get this. Yeah, and you've got like Arik, which it's I just only... Eric. It's just Eric. Oh, it's supposed to be pronounced. So I knew someone whose name was spelled A R I K. So. Okay. That just without the double A, and his name was pronounced Arik, so that's Arik. how I've been saying it in my head. Uh, Rebecca and I just watched the show um, Love on the Spectrum. Um, I've not seen that. There's the Australian version, which is the original, and then there's the uh, U.S. version, which they started doing after Australia, I think, kind of closed down. Um and basically, it's a it's a reality show. It's more it's more like a documentary, but it's basically about uh, people who have autism, who are autistic, and they want to start dating, and, but they don't really have the social skills, or they deal with um, autism. It kind of gets in the way of having those personal relationships. And the U.S. version, there's a girl who goes on a date, and this guy, Hannah. This guy introduces himself and goes, hey, what's up? I'm Adam. Um, oh, no. And traditional English should be pronounced Adam, but that's not how I pronounce it. <laughs> oh, I'm my. Like, Bro, don't tell people that part. Just just pronounce your name Adam and move on with your life. Like, Yeah, I don't know that it's the pronunciation that gets me. It's the saying... That's not how I pronounce it. I'm like, yeah. wait, is that not how you pronounce it? Because that's not how your parents pronounced it? Right. Or did you decide <laughs> that you're going to start pronouncing it a dom just to be different? Um, I've known people who have changed the pronunciation of their names without changing their names. So from Zachary, uh, uh, someone was named Zachary. Oh, God. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm all for people being like, change your name, whatever. But if I knew Zachary and he went to Zachary, I'd be like, bruh, bro, why? It's Zach. Come on. <laughs> and it's spelled with a C-H. So it's actually Zach. Zach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, English names are weird. Yeah. Like Hannah. Spelled the same forwards and backwards. Yeah. Who does that? I always that? thought that was dope, honestly. <laughs> it's got two completely unnecessary letters in it. The second N and the <laughs> and second the H. Yeah, so if you just if you went with H A N A, that's be, all the letters you need. It's minimalist, Hannah. But people, it would freak people out. They would have a hard time pronouncing it just offhand. They they start thinking I was like that um, girl from. It was like a different country show, right? Um, the girl who was like 
genetically engineered by some military or something and then she escapes Hannah. and goes all feral yeah yeah hannah so they would think i think they that. saw that with one n it's one n and one h i believe it's the harder core version it's h-a-n-n-a oh they do use two n's uh-huh uh I haven't watched the show yet, but I did watch the movie back in the day, and it was <laughs> very good. I saw the movie, but honestly, I don't remember that much about it, so sorry if I butchered the plot. It's been a long time. <laughs> I also have a terrible memory these days. I used to be good at remembering things. Um, yeah, so Penny Litch is fun. It's also super stressful because I have, um, I have a, another story coming out in a couple weeks. Um, and I'm already working on writing the fifth episode. Well, that's for good. August, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the 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 fourth episode, the the next one, um, it's gone through edits, um, and then I've gone through and rewritten some stuff, and then it's on to some beta readers. Um, so it's it's pretty much ready to go. Uh, just needs probably some polishing up, and then. Yeah, I got to finish writing the fifth. The fifth episode is uh, our our intrepid Penny Litch crew um, has to deal with uh, a witch hunter uh, who's come to town, and the episode <laughs> the episode is titled "Witcher." I hardly know her. Oh my gosh, you are way too pleased with that. The dad jokes just. Keep on coming. I love it. I love it so much. It's the dumbest thing in the world. Guys, Tyler made himself cry. Witcher. I know her. It's so well, good to you're be gonna a have dad. a really hard time topping that i think i do too i think i'm gonna quit after that episode i'm done you're be like okay actually the season is ending early it did not get picked up for yeah <laughs> renewal <laughs> pinnacle of comedy we're never doing better than this that's funny um yeah so yeah penny lich is moving on i'm excited about it well i'm glad you are um on your way to meeting your deadlines <laughs> kind of yeah Hey, you're you're not currently working on the next episode. You are one ahead. You can do this. Yeah, that's very true. I, it honestly, I'd be I'd be way more comfortable if I had the fifth episode done and I was beginning working on the sixth episode. And that's pretty much as far as I've planned out for the story. Uh, after the sixth episode, I'm gonna have to like sit down and go. Okay, so I threw all of these little hooks out. Now I need to fucking reel some shit in. <laughs> oh, my. Um, I feel like you shouldn't be admitting that after we just talked about how Brandon Sanderson literally wrote all of the Mistborn books before the first one came out. Yeah, but I'm doing it like the absolute opposite of, of Brandon Sanderson. You're like, some authors like to meticulously plan their stories and make sure everything lines up cohesively. I like to just... Not no. this guy. Fly I'm going to supernatural that shit. Come on, guys. <laughs> I think at least supernatural, they planned out like the first couple seasons. 
Yeah. And then they, they were like, have, shit, we can get like 12 more years out of this. They have a whole writer's room, though. I'm doing <laughs> this true. by myself. So I have to make myself laugh with hilarious jokes like Witcher. <laughs> I hardly know her. I know. You don't even get the uh, the benefit of having like six other people sitting around the table laughing at your your dad jokes. You just have to entertain yourself. I have thought about that. Like the process of writing this is a little bit more difficult and I think that, I mean, that's how it is with any novel. It's a little bit lonely, but especially with comedy. Like, especially all the comedy I've ever done is usually improv. So you're working with a partner or a group of people and you're kind of bouncing off of stuff. So to sit down and be like, okay, be funny now <laughs> inside <laughs> of your brain and don't talk out loud while you're doing it. It's actually really hard. Maybe you need to find your uh, Terry Pratchett that you can team up with on future episodes. Um, I've thought about that, the idea of bringing people on. But <clears throat> the point is, I don't know, it's kind of hard because the point That's is... That's true. The point is it's an exercise for yourself. Yeah, it's it's a novel on on my part. I'm just writing it in a, in a weird way. <clears throat> Maybe down the road, if I can get some people to join me, then we could we could possibly do that idea while writing a novel. And I, I, I don't think that anyone's ever done anything like that either. There's anthologies, right, where people submit their own stories in a collection of stories. But are there are there novels that have been written by a group of people? Um, I don't know if like big huge groups like i only know of pairs really right. two people usually writing it yeah i'm not sure maybe some of those um like like serial books have had groups writing them like, like you know like nancy Captain drew Crunch? and oh no <laughs> like the ones that don't have a specific author attached to them you think so? But, you yeah. think those have, uh, like, the Hardy Boys? Well, I mean, those are just the types of books that I could see having groups of writers. Although, when we did that one episode where we talked about Nancy Drew and some of those other books, um, it was usually, like, one writer at a time, but it would change from book to book. <clears throat> created, the Hardy Boys was created by Edward Stermeyer, Stermeyer, the founder of book packaging. And then the books themselves were written by several ghostwriters, most notably Leslie McFarlane under the pseudonym Franklin W. Dixon. Um, so that's that's a ghostwriter situation, though. That's still, mm -hmm. you know, <clears throat> that's Stratermeyer getting the credit, right? No, I guess not. Franklin no, she used a, a pen name. Yeah. But either way, it's kind of, yeah, it's one person at a time who's writing that book. Yeah. So if you do uh, bring in a writer's room to a novel, that might be something new. That's an interesting idea. Hey, if you want to... <clears throat> Tyler is assigning himself more work yet again on this podcast. If you want to join a writer's room with me and create a wholly original comedy book series, um, hit me up.
accepting uh, applications at lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com. Yeah, hell yeah. Send us your flash fiction so we can uh, read oh, it on our show. Shit. Yeah, there you and go. And then decide mm-hmm. if you will be um, admitted to the Ghoul Gang Ghostwriters Club. I've got a shit ton of ideas, so I'm we not. We know I'm not low on ideas, and I would be very happy to use a committee to write uh, at least one of them. <laughs> a committee, I like that. What if I'm the guy? Hannah, that creates the committee style of novelizations. That would be something to put on your resume. Yeah. Tyler Clausen got other people to do his work. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that you got to tweak the wording so it sounds a little more benevolent. Led a committee of Of like-minded, talented writers to produce... An ongoing thing. <laughs> thing. Wow. This is why I need a group. Guys, you come know. on. I'm really struggling here. <laughs> Guys, if you can come up with a uh, better ending for that sentence, you've got the job. That's the test. Yeah, I'm going to type it out and be like, finish this sentence. Well, Tyler, I know that you wanted to talk a little bit more about um, Brandon Sanderson since last episode ran a little bit long and we didn't get to really delve into his um laws of magic in particular like right when we started getting into some of the good stuff i had a client walk into the studio and i was like oh shit we've been talking too long (laughs) (laughs) so it'd be like that sometimes um so yeah so i was definitely excited to keep talking about sanderson and and some of the stuff that we had discovered about him and through his work um, so we both read Mistborn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went ahead and took the dive and started reading The Way of Kings. I saw that. How is that going for you? Long. It's going long. Going long. Are you reading, reading it, or are you listening to it? <laughs> I knew the answer before I finished asking the question. Uh, I'm listening to it, uh, while I work and drive. Um, right now I am... Uh, on track 14 of 91. Holy cow. I have 29 hours and 43 minutes left. And I am 15% of the way. Wow. So I'll have this yes. done, you know, this week sometime. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, uh, you know, within the next month or two. <laughs> I, To be completely honest, <clears throat> big books like this legitimately scare me. Like, I read, um, well, I listened to uh, the um, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Oh, yeah. That's a big book. That's a big-ass book. It's a really good book, though. And, um, and but it scares me. Like, I get legitimate... Like, I can't, I can't do that. I can't take care of that. I can't fit all that in my head. Um, so I'm trying to push myself every once in a while. And, and I, you know, I didn't like Elantris, which, uh, I got some flack from Brianna about. Oh, is she a big fan? Oh yeah. Uh, so she was supposed to write into the show and give her side of things and I'll push her to do so soon again. Um, but, uh, she said she really liked it. So 
hey, listeners, you might well, like Elantris. You said the reasons that you didn't like it were primarily that it was very dry and political, right? Yeah. So that's just a personal just preference, a preference thing. Yep. Some it people love that dry political shit. Boring. Um, <clears throat> so then reading Mistborn, I was given a lot more confidence in going, okay, this guy wrote a very long book. I can, I can, after Mistborn, I realized I could commit to that writing. Mm-hmm. Is, it, it's called Way of Kings? The Way of Kings, yeah. The Way of Kings. Um, is it similarly action-y like Mistborn? Uh, no. No, it's not. No. Um, it starts out with a bit of action, and then it drives a little more action until nothing happens for a long time. Um, and I'm still in the nothing happening phase. Um, we're kind of seeing um, characters that were at the top of their game at the beginning of the story are now being brought down low and humbled sort of thing. That seems like a uh, Sanderson theme. Yeah, I, I guess. I, I mean, it, it it definitely feels... The voice is the same, not just because it's the same voice narrating, but like this, the voice of like how we progress from one thing to the next and how things are explained Mm -hmm. definitely is the same. So it definitely feels like I'm reading a Sanderson book. Um, what's like the, what are the magical elements to it? Um, right now there's... There's what's called Stormlight. The series is named after it. So the Way of Kings is the first book in the Stormlight archives. And there's this magical use of this thing called Stormlight, which I still don't know what it is. Um, And people can utilize it to change the world to their will, basically. Um and that's about it so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's only referenced and seen twice, a little bit. Um, hmm. And then there's there's magic weapons and armor that you've seen a couple of times and referenced a couple of times. But um, it's not it's not about the magic, at least so far, like Mistborn was. Mistborn yeah. was like, hey. Here's a magic system. We're going to dive into it, and that's what's going to make the story. Um, this is like, hey, there's these magic things, and it's the skirting around those things that makes the story. Mm. It's more the world is more exciting to kind of see. It's such a alien world that he's created where there's these massive storms that kind of ravish the land ravage the land and on the eastern part of the world it's like barren and desert and then on the western side of the world where the storms dissipate over time the land is more fertile and um nice okay it seems like he kind of has um lots of 
like fascination with environmental factors as part of his storytelling because you know the mist is a huge deal in mistborn yeah and the fact that so much of it was like they've destroyed the world and it used to be green and it used to be nice and very dune-esque yeah really truly it is and that makes sense um since you know frank herbert was also very interested in like the political and um just kind of that exploration in his books like that makes sense that it would be something sanderson would explore as well uh yeah absolutely i think that um you can't really have um sorry i'm typing in words that don't exist on in this plane of existence um I don't think that you can talk about environmentalism without talking about politics. And so it goes kind of hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also with um, the political structures within his worlds, like there's always a lot of like monarchies and stuff. So politics are definitely very intertwined with that. <clears throat> I'm looking right now at. So Sanderson has created his own solar system, um, you know, where uh, Lewis created Narnia in this sort of metaphysical sense, and Tolkien created Middle Earth to be an ancient, forgotten history of mm-hmm. Earth itself. And even um, the Shannara Chronicles do the same thing. Brooks. Um, basically said there's a nuclear fallout and humans were laid to waste basically and whoever survived kind of lived in this post-radiation world and once humans were taken out of the equation elves and uh, orcs basically came out of hiding Uh, and all all the magic stuff came back um, That's interesting. And a lot of the Shinar Chronicles actually take place in the Willamette Valley. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, who's the author? Uh, Brooks. Is he from here? Um, yeah, I believe so. I believe he grew up oh. in... Well, I'm going to look him up real quick. Shinara author Terry Brooks. It is Terry Brooks. Rebecca is going to be super angry that I didn't remember him because he was like her favorite author for a really long time. Has he written a different series? Because I recognize the name, but I I, I recognize his name, but I don't recognize the Shannara Chronicles. Um, So he actually, oh, wow. Um, He grew up in Illinois and then he went to Washington and Lee. That sounds like not a college. Is it a college? It's an academy. Washington and Lee in Virginia. I thought for sure he was from... Oh, I'm like, I don't recognize that. I thought for sure he was from Washington. Nope, he just went to a school named after it. So then why did all of his stuff take place in the Northwest? That's super weird. Maybe he's just a Northwest fanboy. Brooks resides in Seattle, Washington. Oh, well. 
So yeah, he is a fan. He came over <laughs> here and he's like, "Oh, this is he immigrated way to the uh, Northwest." <laughs> um, Brooks is definitely someone I think we should talk about at some point, and maybe even talk about specifically the failure of the TV show. I didn't even know there was a TV show. It was the Shannara Chronicles, and it was produced and streamed, not streamed, produced and shown. What's the word for when it's on actual TV? Oh, aired? Aired. There you go. Produced I used to work in TV. And aired on MTV. Oh, Jesus Christ. So if anyone's going to do fantasy the right way, it's going to be MTV. What decade was this in? Not that long ago. Like, <clears throat> not even 10 years ago. Like, mm. I want to say five years ago. Dang. Well, that sucks for Mr. Brooks. The Shannara Chronicles um, came out in 2006. Two seasons Austin Butler. That's 16 years ago. Was 2016, I apologize. Oh, I was like. Um, Austin Butler is now going to play Elvis in the next Elvis movie. Wow. Well, at least it launched one career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely the others didn't do super well. <laughs> well, at the risk of like totally devolving into a tangent of internet searches, um, were there any other thoughts you had on Sanderson or the laws of, of magic? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I want to hear, let's, let's go over them again. And then you tell me, I've been talking forever. I brought up fucking Shannara Chronicles. I'm done talking for a little bit. <laughs> so as a refresher from last episode, um, the three laws of magic are as follows. One, an author's ability to solve conflict with magic is directly proportional to how well the reader understands said magic. Um, I feel like that's really important because as if like when I try to read fantasy, that is often what will lose me is if I can't understand how the magic is working. Like I don't need I don't need Tolkien-esque like 12 pages on the history of whatever creature like he does with hobbits in the first Lord of the Rings. Sure. Like, I just need some basics, very simple, so that so that I can follow along with the scene and know why the metal is making, you know, her be able to jump super high or move super fast or have lots of stamina. Sure. Um, so I think that's really important and something that fantasy authors who are not as successful as Sanderson don't do in their writing. Yeah. Um. Rule number two is that weaknesses, limits, and costs are more interesting than powers. I think this is a very um, underrated piece of advice because I think it's very easy in like sci-fi and fantasy to focus on the like cool, flashy stuff. Um, but particularly in Mistborn, like the weaknesses are integral to solving the, the main problem of the book, which is how to take down the Dark Lord, who is seemingly... Uh, immortal and cannot be defeated because he is so powerful. Sure. Um, so I think I think that's a good point. And you know, it's not a good story if the main character has no weaknesses. Nobody wants to read about someone who is literally indestructible and perfect and Superman. blah blah blah. 
Yeah. Nobody. That's why nobody's favorite superhero is Superman. Okay. Yeah. It's um, just boring. I think you're right. I mean, I, I think that the number one, I, I think this comes from comic books, to be honest. The number one thing that people love to see in comic books is how does their hero overcome, right? Mm-hmm. And like Thor overcomes in two ways. The first is his own hubris. He is stricken down and humbled by his father and um, through the movie, at least we'll go with the movie, um, through Jane Foster. Um, he is He's made a better person. He overcomes his own pride and ego um, and that's his one weakness as Thor is, is his pride and ego but then in so doing he overcomes his weakness as a mortal and becomes mm-hmm. the, the god of thunder once again and that right. kind of becomes the theme of that one and at least the third one the second one kind of was weird um, but like he is reminded after being humbled that he is a god of thunder. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like you, you see that that arc in that character. The power is cool, but ultimately, it's secondary to what it represents. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, yeah, you can't have character development or an arc without some sort of weakness. Yeah. So, if you're gonna give your character, you know, superpower. And that's not not to say like comic book superpower, but like literal superpowers. Um, you have to have weaknesses in there, and you have to exploit them, or else what's the point of the story? Mm-hmm. Um, and some people do it cheap, where it's like, oh, there's a cosmic ray that gets rid of your powers, and it's like, ah, that's dumb. That's not the point. What's the point of having a character have these powers if we're just going to get rid of them? in order to to have him overcome. Right. Um, That's definitely cheating. <laughs> says the guy who literally just just used Thor where he got rid of his powers. Whatever. Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man always has to overcome the bad guys and he never loses his powers, not even once. I haven't seen the latest Spider-Man. What? I actually probably haven't seen the latest two. I'm very behind. I'm sorry. Okay, moving on to rule number three. Yeah. (laughs) The author should expand on what is already a part of the magic system before something entirely new is added, as this may otherwise entirely change how the magic system fits into the fictional world. So basically just don't get ahead of yourself. Like make your existing magical structure stronger before you're like, oh, and not only can they use metals to jump, but they can also, you know, snort a little dust from the, the ground and fly. I'm going to look this up real quick because hearing it kind of sounds weird. Expand, don't add is like the. Is the central thesis. Expand. Don't add new stuff. Expand what Which... you already have before you add something new. And I and I think that that's, that's a storytelling thing just in general. Um, I really liked one of the guest lecturers that came to Sanderson's um, teaching time over at BYU. And they, they 
had her speak and and still did a video of it where she was talking about short stories and she used flash fiction and then she talked about you know larger short stories and she talks talks about boxing your stories where um you basically you if you have a promise at the beginning you you fulfill that promise at the end if you make a second promise you have to unpack that second promise before you can unpack the first promise so every time you add a promise or you know whatever it is in your story whether it's a plot hook or you know a need you're adding that thing and it it has to be undone in the in the opposite direction so you have you know a b c and d you make your promise so the character has to get to the mountain in order to take the sword out of the stone right that's Mm -hmm. that's promise number one that's the inciting incident that is what we are we are coming to this book to figure out the second one is he starts to fall in love with the girl that's helping him get there the third one is the bad guy also needs to get the sword and the fourth one is you know there's a there's now a a dragon that's waking up and you make those it you make those promises in that order and then the way that you resolve it is in the opposite order so they have to fight the dragon and kill it first then they have to fight each other to see who's going to get to the to the sword and then he will have proved his love to the woman that he loves and then only then will he be worthy enough to pull the sword out of the stone oh interesting so you're like introducing the main problem first or at least you're you're introducing the last solution first well i feel like the last solution should be the main one so that you stay most people invested (laughs) yeah if if you're if you introduce the the dark lord first and then kill him first it's like okay well I don't really care so much about the dragon anymore. Yeah. And so I think the third law kind of follows that a little bit as well of like, okay, before I create a new box, I need to know that I can resolve this box mm-hmm. in a way that's satisfying. And so I, you know, write all of that before you're like, oh, and also there's people that can can wear metal and they can put their strength into the metal and then take some of that out whenever they want. I think one example that kind of illustrates this to me is like in the Harry Potter books, like a new magical thing seems to be introduced each book. So like in this first one, they obviously like introduce Hogwarts and spells and stuff. And then in the second one, you get like um, flu powder and traveling through the yeah. the fireplaces. Yeah. And then like in the fourth one, you get apparition. Um, yep. And I think it's also, uh, no, it's in the fifth one that you get the skeleton horses, the Thestrals. So I think that kind of follows that advice as well. It's like, okay, we're not going to overwhelm you with every single magical thing in the first book. We're going to pace it. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) Can you Uh, imagine how chaotic that would be if the first book had every (laughs) single magic thing in it? The 12 year old uses uh, flu powder and gets apparated to Hogwarts and sees a <laughs> skeleton bird because technically Harry should have seen the skeleton birds. 
Yeah, I think the the loophole on that is like maybe he wasn't looking at his mom when she died or something like that. I don't know. He was looking right at her. They show this flashback a billion times and he's like, Mother. Well, the movie, the movies don't follow any of the rules, so. Uh, whatever. The movies are perfect. <laughs> movies um, are entertaining, but they leave a lot to be desired in the uh, faithfulness to the book They realm. follow the Burke book perfectly as seen by the calm gentle nature in which michael gambon says harry did you put your name (laughs) (laughs) i really did not love that casting at all i like the original dumbledore i think he's great he's a great actor but he's the first dumbledore was much more true to but he died they didn't go oh we just should just have a new one yeah, I know, but you could have like told Michael Gambon to ta- Gambon to tone it down a little bit and not act like an asshole. <laughs> Dumbledore's kind of an asshole, though. <laughs> we have digressed again. What this is what a chill episode is, Hannah. I know, but we're never going to get to the negative book reviews. Oh, okay. Let's <laughs> let's uh, stop digressing. No, we got to do the last uh, law of magic. Oh, though. yes, of course, the most important. Because one. there's three laws of magic, so of course, then we have to add a zero. A zero. Law, yeah. Uh, which is always err on the side of what's awesome. Yeah. Which is like Brandon Sanderson going Breakfast Club, fist in the air, walking off into the sunset. It's his his uh, trench coat billowing. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles high-fiving in the sewers <laughs> eating pizza. Always air on what's what's awesome. <laughs> Make sure you follow all my laws of magic or else you're never getting published unless it's fucking awesome. <laughs> I think that's like his out in case he ever wants to break his own rules. He's like, yeah, but it was awesome. Yeah, everybody's like that. I mean... Everyone's like that. <laughs> so you pointed out um, that, you know, you uh, on Instagram, you pointed out that Sanderson has the laws of magic. Isaac Asimov has the laws of robotics. Mm-hmm. Have you decided what your laws are going to be yet? Um, does one decide what they're going to be? Does one just be like, you know what? This is what my laws are going to be. I think that Sanderson... Apparently so, because they wrote them down. <laughs> well, but... Sanderson was writing writing magical systems, so he had to create yes. the laws. And Isaac Asimov was thinking critically about how robots and AI could exist in a world with humans, so he had to create those. I'm writing uh, the Penny Lich, so I can do whatever <laughs> the fuck I want. So there are no rules. There are no rules. I can do whatever I want. Um, I'm I'm basically using four different tabletop role-playing game systems to like create the rules of magic and class within my world so um, that sounds like organized chaos yeah it's great it it, (laughs) honestly it you know it's uh freeing to have that much structure so to have that much structure yeah or that little structure (laughs) it's a ton of structure I I go into I go into tabletop RPG uh, books all the time to look stuff up because it's like oh okay this is how they do it 
okay, so I want my world to work this way or I don't want it to work this way. Let me check another reference. Do so, the rules ever conflict? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, that's where the chaos part is coming in for me. I'm like, how do you choose which rules to follow? Um, I Eventually, I think you'll I'm, have to make your own. <laughs> I think I'm too early in my writing career to have any laws of anything. <laughs> That's fair. And Sanderson did write his over the course of like 10 years. Yeah. He did like one first and then the others way later. Uh, yeah. I don't know what my ni- my niche thing is yet. Um, I don't want to be beholden to like, oh, he's a fantasy writer. I want to mm-hmm. write what I want to write. I've written some horror stuff that I really like. And it'd be fun to publish some thriller, horror. Uh, I have sci-fi ideas. I've got superhero ideas. I have I have ideas that are just, you know, uh, what's the word? Slice of life, you know? Slice I, of life. I've got stuff. I've got all kinds yes. of stuff. Uh, if there's one thing we've established over the course of this show, it's that you have a lot of ideas. Yeah. So I need a committee to help me write them. Come on, guys. Yes. We need a committee for each genre. Hell yeah. You're going to hey, have a staff of like 50 ghostwriters. What what should we do? How do we how do we like filter them out? Not filter them out, but filter them so it's like, okay, you want to write for horror? Okay. You <laughs> yeah, can just put it. the genre in your email subject line or whatever. Yeah. I'll add And then to we'll that assign data. you to a Tyler Clausen ghostwriting committee. The Tyler Clausen Ghostwriting Committee. <laughs> that sounds dope, actually. <laughs> sounds very official. The TCGWC. <laughs> too many letters. Too too long of an acronym. <laughs> yeah. Well, does that do it for uh, magic for us? Yeah, I you know honestly, um, the the laws of magic don't. I don't take them too seriously. I think they're fun, but um, I'm not writing any hard magic systems right now, so they're not super important. I I would utilize them more in the sense of storytelling. And, and I yeah, can't... and I th- I think they do work in a storytelling sense, like even outside of magic. Like you you explain the box yeah. system, which works for any plot, basically. Yeah. I highly recommend. Uh, you go on YouTube and look up Brandon Sanderson's BYU lecture series. Um, it's kind of buried in his YouTube channel now because he has so much stuff on there. Um, but it's incredibly informative and uh, motivational, I think. Yeah, he seems like just a fundamentally like very kind and decent person. Um, yeah. So I, I, he's he's fun to listen to. Yeah, he, is. he doesn't come off as pretentious at all, which is very nice. <laughs> he comes off as very nerdy. He is excited yeah. about the stuff that he's written and what you're going to write. That's yeah. what I get from him. And I like that. I like people who are excited for other people, too. Yeah, I I, I think that I like that because I, I genuinely think that that's what I'm like. You know, if I ever I get that's to an a place. assessment. If I ever get to a place where I'm popular, I'm going to be just as excited to listen to what other people are creating as um, getting my own stuff out there. Uh, you know, and when they when they have me read half of their book and then stop writing it, I'm going to be just as pissed off as I am right now. <laughs> 
Hmm, I don't know who you're talking about. Um, uh, I, for one, am excited to hear uh, some people talk about books that they hated. Yeah, I'm excited. So this is this is a new segment, I guess, um, where we're going to read some, some... Some negative book reviews. Bad book reviews. <laughs> and I specifically chose reviews of books that we have talked about on this podcast um all the ones i chose for this episode are from like our earliest episodes so i'm just gonna read a couple of them and you can like interrupt or raise your hand at any point if you think you know which author or book it's talking about this is a game now yes this is a game all right yeah so we're gonna see if you can figure out um who this review is about or which book it is if I could give this book minus stars, I would. This was a complete disappointment for me. I don't get what the hype about this writer is. The short stories weren't scary at all. Every time we get to the scary part of the story, the teller tells us that it's indescribable, which gets very annoying after three stories. Tyler. Indescribable. It's going to be H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> yep, that's the one. Which I, I think that's kind of a fair critique there were a lot of stories where he's like and it was so terrifying i can't even write about it here i can't even <laughs> write about it oh i will faint at the thought of writing about it grandpa um, Wibble, where are you yeah I, he was afraid of a lot of things you know he didn't yeah. want to have to write about it <laughs> Um, but the, the review ends with, and the most annoying slash offending part of this book is the overtly racist comments on African Americans, Native Americans, Arabs, and Jews. Welcome to the club, pal. <laughs> this person obviously didn't know very much about H.P. Lovecraft before reading The Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> so awful. Yeah. It's, he's terrible. <laughs> you didn't mention the part where he shacked up with a 14 year old boy. I don't think this reviewer knew that. We We should let her know. Yeah, we should reply to that. Can you reply to Amazon (laughs) reviews? These are actually all from Goodreads. And I I tried to look up on Amazon, but especially with older books, there's like no negative reviews of the content of the books. All the negative ones I was seeing were about like, you know, their book came damaged or something. So I was like, I got to go somewhere else for this. Yeah. Um, all right, are you ready for the next one? Uh, yeah, I'm ready for the next one. All right. Author. I- I'm going to say author, so I don't give it away. Sure. Author had a great premise for a book, but totally failed to develop it or make it coherent and engaging. I must give author credit where it is due, though. He is the master at spinning wheels. He has the ability to take the book absolutely nowhere for hundreds upon hundreds of pages while managing to be extremely crude and vulgar along the way creating unlikable and unbelievable characters trapped in the most boring, simplistic, and immutable plot. Stephen King. No. Oh, damn. I have another one that might give you a better sense of what book or which author this is about. Okay. Profoundly disappointing. Never before have I read a book so promising in premise and spoken about so publicly and highly that was executed so poorly My fingers were tightly crossed for a novel that wove classic myth and legend with a 20th century backdrop in an enlightening, mature, and enticing light. Instead, author has given us a kitschy book that reads like an extremely lengthy version of a So Jesus and Buddha Walk Into a Bar joke. Neil Gaiman. Yep. Yeah. Do you know which book? 
Um, I'm gonna go with uh, American Gods. Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> a lot of people on Goodreads did not like American Gods. Um. Yeah. I mean, there's. You weren't a fan either, though. I. That's not true. I was just taken back by certain things, like the sudden creaming in a dude's mouth scene. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, it's gross. Like, okay, thanks yeah, for that Yeah, the vulgar one, person bud. is on to something. Um, and I, if I remember correctly, and I mean, the main character bothered me for the majority of that book, Shadow. Or That's what a lot of people said, too. They were like, I don't have any connection to this main character. Until the very end when he kind of gave his motivation and I was like, oh, shit, this is actually super deep. <laughs> yeah, I I think American Gods was just like so weird that that's the reason I made it through it, even though I didn't love Shadow. Yeah. I was like, eh, you're not really, you know, very inspiring as a main character. But every chapter I was just like, what the hell is going on here? Uh, By the way, the Penny Lich is on Goodreads. Review it there, folks. Yeah, no reviews. Uh, and oh, shit, that's cool. Um, other books by Tyler Clawson, Rebecca Moon and the Boy in the Bottle. Oh. Which has two stars. Go give him more stars, people. Uh, <laughs> well, you can't really hate adventure books but i didn't like the predictable and cliche plot <laughs> so <laughs> i need to go now hey at least that doesn't sound as mean as that one person was being about neil gaiman true very true do you have yeah. more do you have more bad reviews because i have two more do you want both of them or do you want to save one for next time no let's go through them all i want to hear all because now i feel bad about myself my book okay i've got one more that you can guess on and then i have one also, that like rebecca moon and the boy in the bottle was not predictable i made it up off the top of my head as i went <laughs> along doing some twists and turns you know what that's bs all right so i just had to say that i'm gonna start with the the last one that i have that isn't obvious because the the other one i couldn't find a review that didn't have tons of key phrases that are just gonna immediately tell you what it is mm. um so this one review number one if i had a physical copy of this book i would burn it <laughs> <laughs> review number two and just like full disclosure this person who is reviewing does not write very well so there's a lot of mistakes in this uh, paragraph yeah uh, but they say a psycho bitch marries a psycho jerk and so the show begins terrible unnatural phony and irritating would be the just words to adore such a masterpiece of shit <laughs> despite the rave reviews from the quality press i did not enjoy book straight away the writing is brittle and the characters superficial Man, I don't, I don't know who that is. This, this is an author we've covered. It is okay. The third one. Look, if I want to hear about bored, unhappily married people, I'll talk to my married friends or delve into something by a capable writer. And Ooh. there, they link to F. Scott Fitzgerald's *The Beautiful and the Damned*. So they're obviously a very classy reader. Oh yeah, they probably read Hemingway. Yeah, 
If I want horror and suspense, I'll drop all pretenses and hit up the master. Links to Stephen King. Of course. Um, so I think the keywords here are uh, boring, unhappily married people. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, um, Gillian Flynn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's gone, girl. I kind of, I kind of had that in the second one, but I wasn't sure because, you know, we've covered a lot of unhappy people on this. Show. <laughs> a lot of unhappy people, but I think uh, Psycho Bitch really nailed it for me. I'm like, yep, <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> okay, this last one, uh, you're gonna know what book it is right away. Although raised as a Christian, I'm now atheist, and perhaps that's partly why I'm uncomfortable with this retelling of the life of Jesus as Aslan the Lion. <laughs> I have no objection to Bible stories <laughs> as part of our culture and heritage, but this is more underhand. I'm not sure what underhand means there. Underhanded? Like, un- like They left off the ED, so it's just underhand. <laughs> Underhand, made with the arm or hand below shoulder level. He wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe with his hand below shoulder level. I mean, yeah, probably. I doubt he I do all my it. writing yeah, with that, too. <laughs> underhanded would be acting or done in a secret or dishonest way, which I mm. don't think he did. And but if I think that's did, what they meant. <laughs> oh, okay. But it's still wrong. So these people who are reviewing these books negatively cannot write themselves, which, you know, whatever. Cecily, the reviewer, continues, as a child, I loved this series even when I learned the metaphor. I love how she loved it even when she learned the metaphor. Like, the metaphor didn't make it better for her. No. That was probably partly a reflection of my mother's enthusiasm, blames her mom, And it insulated me from the guilt and horror that some of the commenters below felt about Aslan's sacrifice. I felt neither guilt nor horror at Aslan's sacrifice. I don't know what she's on about. uh, I mean, he's a fake lion. Uh, He's not a real lion. He's a talking lion. He's a fake magical lion. And this is where it gets really, really good. This is where it gets good? Yeah. Then I read it to my own child. I was increasingly uncomfortable, and fortunately, Kiddo wasn't interested in my reading the rest of the series to them. It is too preachy, and the way Mr. Tumnus lures Lucy to his lair doesn't feel right, despite his upstanding character. But we did see the 2005 film. Mr. Tumnus was so human and naked, except for a little scarf, from the waist up that his taking Lucy home seemed even worse than on the page. Way worse. So this person is introducing a pedophile theme yeah. to Narnia. Uh, I mean, even I myself, who love C.S. Lewis, and I think that the Chronicles of Narnia are one of the greatest pieces of fantasy literature ever written for deeper reasons than anybody even understands. Mr. Tumnus is a pedophile. <laughs> 100%. I'm not surprised that you would say that since you came up with the uh, Bella Swan is being sexually abused by her father plotline for Twilight. Um, yeah, it's in the book. Read it, Hannah. <laughs> it's called Subcontext. It's a bit underhand, I understand, but... <laughs> I just don't pick up on those underhand contexts. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that person really didn't like the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, it's, it's funny that they... 
they didn't like it because they started to realize how Christian it was. I can't believe, like, when I read that as a child, I realized immediately that it was a metaphor for Jesus. Yeah, he dies and comes back to life. He sacrifices himself so that the kid can be saved. Like, that's so fucking obvious. It's insane. (laughs) Yeah. This person who was allegedly raised Christian is too stupid to be allowed to review this book so negatively. (laughs) Go read Planet Narnia. Then you'll see all of the Christian stuff he throws in there, and you'll feel even more uncomfortable with it. (laughs) But not as uncomfortable as you are seeing a half goat, half man. Yeah, if you find... I mean, obviously there's pedophilia going on in subcontext there, but (laughs) if you're watching... Uh, Mr. Tumnus on screen and you're feeling something, then that's a problem with you. Um, oh God. I always call the actor who plays him just Mr. Tumnus, so I can never remember his name. But he was, like, uncomfortably attractive in that <laughs> movie. <laughs> Is this a sexual awakening for Hannah? Is this, like, that um, you're in the movie theater and the no, Taylor Swift I'd already music se- plays? No, because I'd already seen Lord of the Rings um, and Viggo Mortensen as Aragorn by that point. Oh, okay. So, okay. you know, Mr. Mr. So Tumnus. You, were, you went straight to Viggo Mortensen. You went straight for <gasps> No, actually, Aragorn. did we discuss this in an episode? I can't remember, but when I was a kid, actually, it was Orlando Bloom. Uh. It, and this is totally across like every woman I have talked to about this. It. It follows this pattern. It's like when you're young, you like Orlando Bloom mm-hmm. and the moms all like Aragorn. Yeah. Because <laughs> my mom was like, I don't know why you like that dude with the like straight blonde hair uh-huh. uh, when there's that scruffy dude right next to him that looks like he just rolled around in the mud and like killed something with his bare hands. Yeah. Uh, I think I've seen it a few different ways, but yeah, I've basically seen um, the life cycle of a girl or of a woman and it's um, you're, you're born and then at a certain age you love... <laughs> Legolas, and then you grow up and you love Aragorn, and then you grow up and you settle for Sam. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> he's got a great personality. He does. He, he he's fierce. He's loyal. He's uh, caring. Mm-hmm. He's brave he's when he has to brave. be. Yeah, that accent too. If I, if I can't carry that <laughs> ring, Mr. Frodo, I'll carry you. It was perfect. Potatoes. <laughs> Boil and mash it. He can cook? He can cook. That's Boil very important. Boil and mash stick him in a stew. Yeah, Sean Astin <laughs> for the win. You know what? Actually, any woman you're should gonna be tell proud. Me, you're going to tell me right now, Hannah, that if Sean Astin and Viggo Mortensen each ask you out on a date, who are you going out with right now? Uh, neither, because I'm happily in a relationship okay, with someone Talon who's more approves. handsome than either Talon of them. says, no, you, he's standing, he's like, you have to choose one. There's no way Talon would let me go out with Vico Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess Sean Astin. <laughs> <laughs> you settle for Sam because it's what your boyfriend would let you do. Yes, he's less threatening. <laughs> uh, I think it's time for an outro, Hannah. I think it's time for that thing. Okay, so I guess we should tell the people where they can find us. 
Uh, we've already said it once, but if you want to uh, send us flash fiction or comments about the show or any other correspondence, you can send that to lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on all of the social medias, Facebook uh, at Lewis and Lovecraft. Instagram is where we are most active. Um, and then we also have our website, lewisandlovecraft.com, where which now has can... a link to a merch store. Yep. Go to our merch store through that. And I've actually just put a bunch of more pictures of all of the, all that juice is coming up now. Um, oh, cool. <laughs> that sounded really bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The uh, all the pictures of all the authors that we've covered, and I'm slowly starting to link those pictures to the specific episodes on Podbean. So if you oh, nice. go to the website, then you can see pictures of those authors and go, oh, they covered that guy, and then they click on it, and then they can go and listen to that episode. Um, so that's a thing that you can nice. do at our website, lewisandlovecraft.com. I don't have the outro thing pulled up because I couldn't uh, find it in to time. Jake Basson. Oh, yeah, that's what's next. For our awesome intro music and technically outro music, too, you can find him at soundcloud.com slash Jake Basson, B-A-S-S-E-N. And rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts, specifically um, Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Spotify, you can now rate us. Yeah. Um, Podchaser. Pod yeah. Yeah. Pod, Say something Podchaser, nice. you can rate specific episodes too. So um, if you liked us, you know, like our Halloween episode, if you like that more than the other stuff, you can rate that higher. Um, but just in general, rating and reviewing is a great way for people to find us. But what's the best way for people to find us, Hannah? Mm, I think the best way is if you tell a friend. That is Tell a neighbor. Correct. Tell a family member. Tell a stranger at the grocery store. The 100th law of magic is that you must <laughs> tell a friend about our show. Um, and um, then join a committee to tell a story <laughs> and settle down with Sam. Settle down with Sam. That's the life cycle That's of a Between Lewis and Lovecraft <laughs> listener. Um, a Lewis and Lovecraft listener who is a part of what, Hannah? The Ghoul Gang. The Ghoul Gang! <laughs> Get your shirts, gang. Get your shirts. Be safe. And, um, cometh on thine, uh, way, Rose by any other name. <laughs> That was a decent tease that yeah. nobody is going to Nobody's understand. Gonna get it. They're going to be like, what the <laughs> fuck is Tyler saying? Why is he talking about coming on roses? That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that checks out. <laughs>